Greetings, listeners. Sivalis Vallejo. Vala Magulis. Nanu, nanu. Thank you for tuning in to our movie review podcast. This is Three Men in a Basement. We are the Ultra Crepidarians. My name is Colin McLeod. Mark Hulp here. Action Jackson. Xmas Flaxen Jackson Waxen? That's what they call me. Waxing that Jackson. Oh, they're waxing all over that Jackson. Daily. Mm-hmm. In this movie review podcast, we... What do we do? Uh, I believe that we... Play Batman. Ooh. We play badminton as we are reviewing movies. Yeah. It's complex. It's it, 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 it's tough. That's Honestly, why you're here, though. It could be an rules. Olympic sport. It could be. But all you need to know, as the listening audience, is that once we're done doing our badminton movie review surfboard cartwheel, we deliver to you our opinion about whether or not you need to see movies. And specifically, the movies that we like to target are those that are not total blockbuster smashes, not ones that are super-duper obscure. So we're not reviewing an Indiana Jones, but our reviews are also not of movies that would be otherwise locked in a large warehouse in a wooden box labeled Top Secret. No, you would find Mm -hmm. the movies that we review, I believe that they, they found it in an arc that somehow got lost. Yeah, like mm, an yeah. arc that it was, it was about some kind of promise. I don't know, like a covenant or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, people's faces melted. It was, it was insane. The, hey, they it were Nazis. Insane. It's fine. They were Nazis. It's fine. They like, did not see that. I, could, I couldn't find them. <laughs> I could not find them. So, we review those movies and we deliver to you our opinion about whether or not you need to track them down and see them. Betamax. <laughs> Apparently on Betamax. <laughs> this week, we reviewed the movie. Uh, the last Starfighter. Yes. Not the first. No. Not uh, one of the middle guys. Nope. It was the yeah. last Starfighter. Yeah, not the even like final. three quarters of the way. No, this which is... is a little presumptuous to assume. Like, I'm the last. Like, you know, it's like, ha ha. Like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm the last Jedi. It's like, fucking, no, you're not. There's no. so many more Jedis. Yeah. You're not. Um, this is the last Starfighter, but I, I'm, I'm going to say kind of presumptuous. More to follow, dude. Yeah. This movie, 1984 film, rated PG. Uh, PG? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can endorse this, PG. This was 80s PG, though. <laughs> this was I, 80s PG. I was going to say 80s PG. This uh, was right about the time that PG-13 came out like, remember, as a thing. Jaws was three, was PG. Yes. Okay. So if Jaws is PG, <sighs> this is clearly PG. Yeah. I straight up could not endorse this by today's standards as PG for like... A couple reasons. Several reasons. Yeah, if this movie were released... Today, it would be PG-13. No question, PG-13. Actually, if this movie were released today, they would just cut out a whole bunch of shit to make it PG. Because clearly this movie was like marketed towards at ki- least ki- a younger audience kids i would say i would say the target audience was like boys ages 8 to like 16 Th- that was the I the target venture, demographic i would venture even even further and say between the ages of 13 and like 18 or 19 yeah i think given the time though like the i think the reasons why we're thinking this is like more ex- extreme is the wrong word but but more than like today's pg standards again it's just i think our culture has changed yeah, like, again, like, I wouldn't probably be, like, rushing out to show this to an eight-year-old, but I think that's what they were aiming for, like, yeah. in a sense, and depending on how revealing the IMDb summary is, I think I'll give some of my, my notes on why I think that is sort of the range of ages in my head. An hour and 41 minutes. Thoughts? It felt longer than that to me. Did I, it? I would agree. Oh. It, it definitely felt like a two-hour movie. Wow, okay. In, in some ways. In other ways, I don't know, it... This movie felt a little disjointed to me in that the story beats felt like they, they moved along, but there were definitely some aspects of it that did kind of drag on a bit for me. I am going to respectfully disagree. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I think 
This movie went along at not a super fast clip, but definitely an appreciable pace. I think for the same reasons I would say that I feel like Adventures in Babysitting went along at a good clip, is I think they're both adventure movies, like action-adventure, and I feel like they oftentimes sort of one scene will lead to the next right? And it pushes the narrative along a little bit more quickly. In this movie specifically, I think, you know, there could have been some fat trimmed probably from the beginning. Well, I feel like that's also a symptom of being an 80s movie. I I mean, you see that a lot, specifically action and adventure movies from the 80s that have weird disjointed transitions or really jarring transitions. And back in the 80s, the special effects budget for certain films and this one notwithstanding, didn't allow for seamless transitions and the really smooth graphics. So they had to cut abruptly to the computer animated scenes. I suppose most of my defense of my point is going to have to be reserved for spoilers, I think. Fair enough. Um, But I I, I think I hear what you guys are saying. Do we want to do a little summary? Let's do a summary, yeah. Okay. All right, so a summary. Summarize. A summary of this movie here, everybody. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) High schooler Alex Rogan conquers the Starfighter video game only to find out that it was just a test and is transported to another planet. He's been recruited to join a team of the best starfighters to defend their world from an attack. Yeah, I... That's a movie. That yes. is the plot of the I movie. Would not, I would not change a thing. That's no. it. That's it. It's a little um, wordy, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike last week's, which was <laughs> Queen Victoria develops a relationship with a man named Abdul. <laughs> that is accurate. Uh, a little diminutive, but accurate. <laughs> All right, um, all right, all right. Sorry to, uh, to to throw in a little summary there, but we uh, were we looking? No, that was high and tight. Okay, so genres. We've got action, adventure, sci-fi. Anything else? Or would you disagree with anything that's in there? No. No, I think that's, I think that's solid. I have a minor argument that we can throw in after spoilers territory, but I think that's solid. Yeah. 80s isn't a genre. But it feels so, like it sometimes. I love so that you funny. think that that's that was, where I was going. That was literally no. That's where I was thinking. I was like, I was like, should I bring this up? Should I say like '80s camp? You know, yeah. '80s vibe. Like it's not a genre though, right? Uh, like basically the exact vibe that bands like Gunship is going for, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably not Hootie and the Blowfish, but it is not Hootie and the Blowfish so much, but. Yeah, no, that that sort of, like, neon, 80s, campy, nostalgic vibe. Right. This movie has it in spades. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, you're right. Not a classic genre, but could absolutely be applied. <laughs> um, who directed this movie? Mark, did you direct this movie? No, but I'm, I, I understand why you might think I did. This was Nick Castle, not Mark Culp. He directed Major Pain. Major Pain. Fucking awesome. And Dennis the Menace from the 90s. And The Boy Who Could Fly. Knockout. Or sorry, Lockout. Okay, Major Pain and Dennis the Menace are my big takeaways for this guy. So he's he, he's been around the bush. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's no slouch. Um, who do we got in this movie? Uh, a man named Lance Guest. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of the lead. He played Alex in this. Yeah, he was um, a guest actor. You might not be familiar with much of his other work. You know, he was in Jaws, The Revenge. The Revenge, yeah. Uh, Which is, I mean, come on, let's arguably the best Jaws. I I would argue. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying, you could, have an argu- you could have an argument about it, right? You could have an argument. You could have an argument about it. And you probably it. would. And you probably would, right? So it is arguably the best Jaws. This is all I'm saying. I despise your logic because I can't it's refute it. It's flawless. <laughs> 
I I don't I don't recognize any of these other like movies. He's know. he's in a lot of sequels. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. But he was fine in this, you know? Hey, there are good sequels out there. Shrek 2. Yeah. Sure. Toy Story 2. Men in Black 2. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ooh, Rosario Dawson. Mm. She's mad. She's mad. She's, she's mad. <laughs> she's, she's mad. Uh, uh, who else was in this? Robert Preston played sort of the... Centauri. Yeah. So he was Centauri, who I don't think it's... Well, we'll leave it at that. I'll get into the spoilers. He uh, okay. I will say though that that uh, Centauri, the character, and I won't say why, but he was probably my favorite character in this, and that's entirely because of the way that Robert Preston played the character. Yeah, no, for sure, no. But I think that's probably bringing us right up to the line because there's so much I want to say about that character. Yeah, Dan O'Herlihy played Grig. Dan O'Herlihy. Yeah. What Good do we old. What do we know, Dan O'Herlihy from? Wait, well, did we did we go over what Robert Preston was was in? We, I don't think we did. I think we skipped right over Robert Preston. My apologies. Okay, I'm sorry. While you guys are looking up Preston, Dan O'Herlihy was in both RoboCop and RoboCop Two. Yes, as old man. Yes, <laughs> he, just, he was in both of them. Is it the same old man? Uh, probably shared universe. Just yeah, old man. Yep. Wait. Okay. Wait. No. 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 You're saying same universe. Are you assuming that there is only one old man in the RoboCop universe? They're uh, not old men. That old is man. That is canon at this point. It is. That's, that's the singularity. That's, <laughs> I that's think the... IMDb has proven this conclusively. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So Robert Preston is known for four movies. The Music Man, Victor Victoria, Last Starfighter, and S.O.B. Son of a bitch. I don't know any of those movies. I don't either. <laughs> However, he did have like a familiar face. And again, we're going to get into a spoilers, but goddamn, I just need to get I just need to get off my chest. Well, I mean, I've heard of The Music Man. Yeah. I haven't seen it. <laughs> but like, I've heard its name in the wind. Yeah. You know? Yep. Music Man. It's kind of like that. Did you guys hear that wind? Yeah, it was like a music. I'm so curious if this is going to get picked up on the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I don't know any of these other actors, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I... Oh, one more. Catherine Mary Stewart. She was in Weekend at Bernie's. She played Gwen Saunders, I'm assuming. That. Mm, Name is truncated a little bit. Yeah. She also, yeah, she's been things, I think. But she is basically a, let's say, I'm going to be mean here. She is an 80s Walmart Amanda Pete. Yes. Okay. She tries. That she is. She's a good actress. She looks exactly like Amanda Pete. Yep. That you may have gotten at Walmart or Wish.com. Yep. And I would say perhaps her career didn't take off the same way Amanda Pete's did. I... Because I can name Amanda Pete. I mean, I'm not the arbiter of like who's famous, but yeah. But the thing is, but I could definitely like pull Amanda Pete's name out of a hat if I saw her. If you right. were to say, Mar- you know, Amanda Pete or Catherine Mary Stewart, which one are you familiar with? I really want to call her Mary Stewart Masterson. Masterson? Isn't it Masterson? Mary Stewart Masterson? Either way, you probably have not seen her in anything. I I will say, though, she was hot back then, and she aged like fine wine. Depends on the wine, though. It's true. I'm going to age like a fine milk. Yeah, I'm, I'm more like a cheese myself. Cheese ages well though. Yeah, changes, I'm gonna I'm gonna curdle. Changes color and starts to smell, but worth more. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Veiny. You get veiny. Yeah. Everybody loves a veiny man. <laughs> and a veiny cheese. <laughs> okay. Uh is that it for who's in it? Because like honestly, yeah, I, yeah. we, we no, even you're commented right. as the movie started, like, 
I don't know any of these names. Oh, skipped over it again, guys. Cherries. Oh yeah. Ooh, how many pops? I had a I had a, a semi. <laughs> yes, we we noticed it, it was uncomfortable a... throughout the entire movie. Jackson yeah. and I were definitely on the other side of the couch. Oh, you were uncomfortable. You were uncomfortable. No, you weren't. Uh, a raging semi. It was a semi cherry in that like this movie was on when I was at a grandpa's house. Um, so like I'd seen some of the scenes sort of play out before, and I knew basically what the story was about. But that's it. He did say a grandpa. Yeah. And not his grandpa. Right. He's casting a really wide net. He could have seen this at anybody's grandpa's house. He could have seen it at my grandpa's house. This is going on the internet. Ladies, gentlemen, protect your grandpas, because Mark's a coming. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that means he's going to do to them, but... It means I'm taking them. (laughs) You see that movie with uh, Liam Neeson? They go and get taken. Snatching grandpas. Oh, Snatching Grandpas. Band name. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a good one. Snatching Grandpas. Sounds um, ornery. I myself had a big, wide, wet, loud cherry pop. I've heard of this movie, and I have seen a 10-second clip out of context, and that is about it. I think you're a 10-second clip out of context. Uh, don't ask my wife. <laughs> that's that's I, some context. I, wait, did we just get some context? Yeah, you yeah. got some context. Okay, okay. Uh, what about you, Carlin? I have seen this movie probably four or five times, but if I'm honest, the last time I saw it was probably 20 years ago at best. So, like, the broad strokes, very familiar to me. The details, I had completely forgotten. And I feel like I am at a far different stage in my life than I was 20 years ago, thank God. I should um, hope so. I'm not saying thank God as in, like, I was awful or a different person 20 years ago, like, like fundamentally, but I definitely don't want to be, like, living in my in 13, my 13-year-old body. Yeah, I don't want to be 11 again. I mean, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I mean, 11, well, I suppose 11's about the age that you discover that you have, like, a fifth appendage. And yeah, but you You have still, a fun couple of years, and then true. you reach 13, and you're but like, I've burned say, through. But, I've expelled all of my dopamine... And I am now, I'm now suffering comatose, like fierce depression. Yeah. And see, the thing is, if I were to go back to 13, at least it would be over sooner. If I went back to 11, I'd still have to live through 13. Over sooner sounded really dark. Yeah. It would be over sooner. He, Jackson's, ladies and gentlemen at home, you can't see him, but Jackson's doing a kind of thousand yard stare right now. Like he, like a nom vet. He has seen things. And we, I, I don't think we're going to ask. He's talked to people. He's driven a car. Wouldn't yeah. recommend it. Nope. Uh, okay. So one and a half cherries. Yeah. Uh, collective. Yeah. If it's like a, if it's like a quarter, like a, like a cherry in a, in a, yeah. in a cherry pit. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Honestly? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd recommend it. <laughs> wow. That was not a glowing endorsement. That was a. No, I've got. That I've was got, just over the fifty percent mark. I've got. I've got some thoughts and feelings on it that I do want to talk about. I would certainly recommend it, though, in a, as like as okay. a classic piece of cinema. Okay, it sounds like it sounds like we need to do the breakdown. Recommend it to yourself. Recommend it to a general audience. Literally anybody on the planet. I think I would recommend it more to myself than I would other people. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I can think of a number of people that would really enjoy this. I can think of a greater number of people that might enjoy this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think this movie is contentious in that way. There are certain elements that I think would immediately turn certain people off. Yeah. And we'll get into those in spoilers. So I don't often say this, but if you usually like turn it off before spoilers and then go and watch the movie so you can like follow with us through spoilers and turn it back on, hopefully. But uh, if you usually do that, you might want to listen a little bit into spoilers because it might give you a better idea of whether or not this movie is something that you're truly going to enjoy. Yeah, if you venture into spoiler territory and you've decided, yes, I'm going to watch it, I'm going to turn this off, feel free to do that. But if you make it through that turning point and you've decided this movie is not for me, feel free to listen to the podcast and listen to all the gory details. But I'm with Colin in the sense that I feel like you should at least tiptoe into spoilers territory in order to find out if this is worth it. Spoilers is taking a shower, and you are a pervy 13-year-old boy, you know, don't go rushing into the bathroom, but, like, maybe maybe listen and imagine, you know. Yeah. Announce yourself first. Yeah. Oh, I'm just coming in, I forgot my hairbrush, and then, you know. You Shake do the handle a little bit. Yeah. Yep. And there's Mrs. Jones. Me and Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. Yeah. Both know that it's wrong, <laughs> but it's much too strong. <laughs> you really, you really brought in the falsetto there. I appreciated that. I was transported. Little Frankie Valley for you. Um. So, are we ready to do that? Are we are ready, ready to, to what? 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 <laughs> we didn't max it out though that's good well, yeah because we're going for subtlety we're not that's it, that was very here. understated yeah no that was a uh, uh it was one of the subtler boy boys. yeah people yeah. have seen loud now, yeah now they want neat yeah is that what they want manicured give the people what they want i say give the people what they want a manicured boy and a pedicured boy boy that's the sound my cat makes when she's uh, licked herself too much. Yeah. 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 Just so it's you... also it, it, funny he should mention that. That's also the sound that Jackson makes when he licks his cats too much. You know, I wasn't <laughs> going to bring it up, but... Well, there's, a, there's many jokes in there. Many. Many. Okay. Um... Let's peel back the layers of the onion, shall we? Or do we want to get right into the movie? Let's, we we, we got we to gotta start dishing about this, because we've been wanting to talk about it since it stopped. And I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so... How's it start? Buah, buah, we are in spoiler territory. I will say, I think this movie, I feel like, has a lot of little pockets that we could eddy in for a while. I think we can do broad strokes on this. So I'm going to go along at a clip if you guys want to sort of match pace. Yeah. And and we'll I think we'll get through the nuts and bolts pretty quick, and then we're going to eddy a long time in the fucking details. <laughs> um, okay, so basically the movie opens on a trailer park, and it becomes very clear that the main character... Alex? Alex is the son of the trailer park owner and he's kind of responsible for fixing a lot of shit and he feels like he's going nowhere in life and he wants to go somewhere. Uh, it becomes apparent that is going to be more and more difficult where he wants to go to, like, go to college and stuff like that and roadblocks are sort of getting tossed in the way. That being said, the trailer park community he is in seems reasonably supportive. They seem like a fairly tight-knit community. Did anybody else notice they had a fucking bar? Yeah, dude. That's pretty boss. Like, I gotta say, like, I wouldn't be psyched to live there because of the climate. It looked like maybe, like... 
It looked like Arizona, Arizona, Nevada. Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, yeah. Which also sort of tracks with what we hear later about where the machine was headed, was headed to Vegas. Right. But, so, not really into the climate, but, like, living in, like, a small community with a whole bunch of, like, really fucking... Cool people. Yeah, like a diverse group of people that are really all cool with each other. And then there's a bar right there that we can all fucking chill at. See, that's the thing is, I grew up in a climate like that, so I would be right at home. You were in Washington. Yeah, everything east of the Cascades is dead. Mm. Look up Yakima. You know what? I'm going to look this up. And so help me. If it's not dead, there's one fucking living thing. You're going to kill it? No, I'm just going to be really disappointed in Jackson. Bro, we used to keep yeah. we used to keep tumbleweeds as pets. Oh no. That's worse than a Winston. That's worse than a Winston. A, a Winston? Yeah, from uh, Castaway. Castaway. Wilson. Wilson. That's Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Jackson. That's Wilson, not Winston. You silly goose. I, 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 silly that was goose. the first thought in my head was fucking Wilson, and I was like, no. No, no. Couldn't, he couldn't mean Wilson. It is notoriously difficult to get a collar uh, and a leash on a tumbleweed. Um, it's easier it... than you'd think. Well, if you tranquilize him, sure, but we're humane, Jackson. Jesus Christ. Tranquilizers you know guy... are humane. They don't feel anything, okay? Well, no, because tranquilizers are inanimate objects. It's the things you stick them in that feel the thing. All right, well, if you want to get technical... Let's I, get technical. I can't... What? Let's get technical about Alex. So Alex is in this community. He's not happy there, but... Everybody is, loves him. But everybody loves him, yeah. and he he does love everybody. He just wants the fuck out. And there is a single arcade game that is just outside this bar, and he plays it pretty regularly. He's very good at it. One night, he basically beats the game. I was going to say, like, he gets the high score, which is kind of what they say, but, like, I feel like high score implies that, like, you don't finish the game necessarily like no he killed the what did they call it the the mothership yeah the zur and the something armada yeah the kodan armada kodan armada so it was the kodan armada mothership or communication ship or something yeah, yeah he, um he gets a score over a million but you get the impression that like the whole town plays the game you know there's like this guy named otis who's like just hanging out near the arcade and he's like he's the token black guy the, no, there were. Uh, this was a diverse community. Okay. I think he was the he was like the token like sage older gentleman. He gave like really good advice. He was a good listener. Lived all by himself. But like, everybody knew him and everybody loved him. Yeah, I loved him. I mean, he, he was a pretty cool dude. I'd hang with Otis. I would I, be pretty happy to have that guy next door. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So yeah, like Mark said, you kind of get the vibe that everybody is aware of this game and sort of where its limits are. Alex blows past that one night, and everybody, like, literally the whole fucking town, the whole fucking community comes out to cheer him on, and he beats it, and it's a huge thing, and yada, yada, yada. He's like a celebrity overnight. And in a fit of frustration at one point, he walks back out to the front of the community where the game is, and a car pulls up and basically is looking for the person who beat the game. Through a series of what are, let's say, questionable decisions, he gets into the car, and then the car takes off flies into space and ends up flying to is it Rylon? Yes. yes. Rylos. 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 Uh, flies to this planet that's in the game, Rylos, and he basically gets told you are a starfighter, you are going to pilot the same ship that is you've seen in this game and you're going to light up some alien motherfuckers, which come on. I mean, I'd be down, honestly. It's pretty cool, especially I, I think it would. 
You grow yeah. up in a trailer park, nothing ever happens, and you spend your days fixing Elvira's electric and hanging Otis's TV antenna. What could be better than killing aliens? Right? Right. So he goes there, in what is a very, like, appropriate decision, decides, this is not for me, I'm literally putting my life on the line for a war that I've never heard of and have no idea what the consequences Well, at, th- at that point, he's been kind of kidnapped. Like, he's coaxed into the car, but then, like... Under false as, pretenses. Yeah, once yes. the door closes, the car's driving 300 miles an hour or something. Like, it, it shows the speedometer for a second. Like, he can't get out, and then... Yeah. Like, so he's kidnapped, basically. And and perhaps this is the time, because this is the introduction of the character, we should go into uh, uh, Centauri. Dude, Centauri was my... Was one of my favorites. He was fucking boss. Okay, so my here's I'm gonna give you guys my thoughts on Centauri, and you guys just fucking you hit, hit me with your thoughts on it. Um, Centauri, one third Alec Guinness's version of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yes. One third Doctor Who. Okay. One third Ford Prefect. Mm-hmm. Right. I got a little bit of like the Candyman from Willy Wonka as oh, well. Oh wow! You know, yeah. like weirdly okay. animated and like like extroverted but i feel like that's like that's that's ford prefect and early doctor who so that's if from... you were to take all three of those personality traits and wrap them in a candy coated charlton heston that's that's centauri okay but that's perfect because this entire movie is just at least in my opinion we can talk about it now is like a collection of other movies that I like mushed together. That is exactly what it is. And actually, yep. this is the perfect scene to talk about it because getting into likes, I thought the score was spectacular. Yes. Oh, I the they, score was amazing. They spared no fucking expense on the score. And I initially noticed it and then I, and then later realized why. They realized how iconic movies like Star Wars and Back to the Future yeah. were based strictly on their score. This fucking movie, the car flying into the... It was a fucking DeLorean. It was it a was DeLorean. A, it was a souped-up DeLorean. And the music, did, were you listening to the music? Yeah. The, the score at that point was like almost beat for beat fucking Back to the Future. It yep. was amazing. Yep. So, yes, total mashup, and that scene straight out of back to the future yeah so they they took the idea from tron combined it with back to the future and then launched him into star wars yeah and that's i think that was a brilliant move on their part because they were able to avoid any sort of copyright infringement they were able to take the tropes that were popular and mash them all into one movie yeah, I mean, when this movie started, like, I was waiting to see John Williams' name pop up in the credits. Oh, yeah. You know, just just the way this movie even just starts, you know, the soundtrack is very familiar. Yeah, it's know? big. It's yeah. bigger than a movie like this should be. It's big in a Star Wars way, right? Yeah. But yeah, so Centauri, who is Obi-Wan-esque, Doctor Who, Ford Prefect, Charlton Heston. Candyman. Candyman. Uh, see, you, you, you fucking you guys keep saying Candyman, and I'm, I think of, I'm thinking of like the fucking horror movie oh. Candyman, and it was just like maybe Candyman antithesis, right? Like he is the opposite of he's just he's extremely animated. He's supposed to be like an alien kinda, but he's also like well, he's an alien, but he's like or he's he got, a robot. He's got like a no, I think he's he's an alien because he's later an alien later that's... he his body went into like hibernative neptosis oh. and to repair itself. Um, but he's an he's an alien that's obsessed with Earth culture. Kind he of. He dresses like a human. He wears a human mask. He talks like a human. Human cosplay. Yeah. Let's say. And, like his his extroversion, like his his mannerisms are so like 
over the top that you immediately feel like you already know this person. Fucking so far over the top. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but like, so far over the top. But almost like a, like a David Attenborough. Is that the right Attenborough? Which, which You're talking about the nature documentary? Yeah, guy? like his no, voice is just wait, so... Wait, David Attenborough and then there's Richard Attenborough. Richard Attenborough was Jurassic Park. He was... Okay, so I had it right. Bro- I had it right, David. Okay, yeah. But nature like, doc guy. Just the way that he enunciates his words, his his sentence structure, like he's just very familiar. Oh yeah, his diction is amazing. Um, Like you feel like he's but a I feel narrator. Like da- David Attenborough is also very like subdued in his voice he's, he's very like calming this dude is like he's not fucking like he's manic yeah but yes that's that's a good way of putting it <laughs> he, his face contorts and he's and let's paint a picture this is also part of the doctor who ford prefect aspect he's literally wearing like a floor-length tan peacoat with a bow tie and a fedora like i mean the guy screams sci-fi trope of a time and space traveling alien yeah, right who got his dates wrong you know he's dressing for the century that he's picking this kid up out of nowhere but he doesn't realize that he's halfway through the wrong century and is behind the times that's a t-shirt yeah brother i'm halfway through the century and behind the times <laughs> But I, I guess my, my connection to the Attenborough was just like in the the distinctness that he yeah he's very articulate delivers. yeah, yeah he's, his words are very punchy yeah okay so he fucking straight up kidnaps this high schooler kid yep <laughs> takes him to Rylos and the kid's like okay so this is pretty dangerous I don't think I want to be here right yeah, now. yeah he sits through the mission briefing and he's like wait. This is what you brought me here for? Yeah, to, to I'm just, out. Nope. Uh-uh. Done. To just fight in a war? To just fight in a war for, with aliens that I've never met, for a planet I've never heard of, in a ship that I've only played in a video game. No, I'm out. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, basically, like, let's like give a modern example of this. You go to Des Moines, Iowa. You go to a high school and get a kid in your car, drive them to a plane that you have waiting on a tarmac, fly them to Ukraine, and then say, okay, so the Russians are invading Ukraine and there's no reason to believe that they'll stop once they get Ukraine. Here's a gun. Go kill some Russians. Yep. That's, that's I mean, what happened. That is like a modern analog to what fucking straight up happened to this kid. But it's set in a fun, playful, and jaunty 80s context. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're you're kind of going there going like, come on, kid, don't be a little bitch. Like, right. fucking kill some aliens. Dude, that, that scene where where all the other starfighters are there, um, it reminded me of the bounty hunter scene from, mm-hmm. uh, was that Empire Strikes Back? Yeah. You know, as he's having second thoughts, he kind of mentions, you know, that this seems like really dangerous. And Centauri kind of has this quick little line. I forget how he, he says it, but like, he's like, no, it's totally safe. It's totally safe. And just around that time, the big baddie of the movie, uh, what's his what's his name? Uh, Zur. Zur. Zurg. <laughs> Pops up in like this hologram that covers the entire room. Jorel floating head. Yeah. yeah. Literally like projected it into the base. Yeah. yeah this is a pretty is, baller power move, let's be honest. This man is, is fucking evil. Just like the way he delivers it, you know, I was good. The maniacal laughter, too, was, was just so over the top in such a great way. It definitely feels like, I don't know what that, that alien would have looked like as a baby, but I feel like they should have known this from, like, day one. Oh, yeah, that came, kid was born evil. Came out of the mother or, like, materialized through, like... A mucous mo- membrane. Mother genetics and fluids were, you know, occurring... And hatched out of an egg. Yeah. And out came this child and everybody looked at it and went, Well that thing's fucking evil. Yep. Yeah, this is gonna be a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Burn it. I can't give you details. 
But down the road, this will be a problem. Carry the boy. Um, so he leaves. He goes back home. Yeah. Which is, like, the most appropriate decision. And Centauri reluctantly is like, what? You, what? You know what? Fine. I'll take you home. And she loads him up in the DeLorean. You can just see him. You can't hear the dialogue, but you can see Centauri muttering through the... At one point, he literally calls him a spoiled brat. Yeah. And he's just like, (laughs) spoiled brat. And he looks through the window, and he's just muttering things and just being a grumpy old man. Finally takes him back, and his space car breaks down. So he's underneath the car, just banging around on shit. And Alex is like, all right, I'm gonna... I'm gonna go... See you never. And Centauri waves a foot at him. Yeah. He should have called the space mechanic. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to tell other people how to live their lives, but I mean, that's... That's if, literally what sextuple A is for. Yeah. If your space car breaks down, you call the space mechanic. Yeah. Like, don't try and fix it yourself. No. That is, you know, sextuple A is there for a reason. You pay them. Call them. Also, if you're going to try and fix your space car in another planet of uncharted space, it's going to void the warranty. Probably. Oh, you think it's like a, like a John Deere kind of thing? Yeah. Like, oh, like no, there's no right to fix right. in space politics. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a DeLorean. Fucking yeah. Rylos. Get with the times. Jesus. Like, right to fix is is important. You bought that product. It's yours. Fucking space cars. Yep. Yep. Apple. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, so it's. I think it's around this time where we get our first glimpse at the um, the 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 Glorgon, uh, the Zanduzan. I'm. It was it the Zanduzan? Yeah. We can call them Glorgons because, like, what the fuck, dude? These guys were ugly as hell. They had like eyes. He's talking about us. You yeah. Know, no, the aliens were. The aliens cute, looked actually. like totally normal, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's it's. I'm having an off day. It happens. Uh, how does how does. How does that happen? Like, uh, does he see the ship fall down? Cause I... So the Zandozan somehow knows that the last starfighter has been transported back to Earth because they tracked its movement through the Armada, and they were like, hey, there was a ship that escaped the planet. Go find it. And so this, like, space assassin with hammerhead eyes and fish face. Space assassin? Space assassin. Is that a, ba- is that a band name? Yes. Space Assassin. Space Assassin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Space Assassin also sounds a little like a cooking oil. It kind of does. Like, all right, add a little Space Assassin like, to the pan. Like it some could o- be, fry up some onions. It could, could be a neon version of Iron Maiden. It also could be a spice. It could also be a trick performed by some kind of intergalactic prostitute. We are Space Assassin. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I'm just saying. Is that like shooting the ping pong ball out of the... Out of the what? Out of the hoo-ha. Uh, ha-ha? Yeah. Wait, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I want to the... <laughs> know details about... I want to know about structures. I want to know about uh, relative positions of everything involved in space, Assen. Mark, well, go. I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those things where it's like you, you go in and, you know, somebody Okay, so we're going here. in. Yep. yep. Okay. And then there's a guy over here and there's another guy over here. Could right. be a girl over here, but the, the third could be a guy, could be a girl. And so one and a half guys. One yeah. and a half Half guys. a girl. One person's floating up here. One person's floating down there. So this, we've got to do this in zero yep. gravity. Yeah. This guy's got a pencil in his butt 
and this guy's taking notes. <laughs> Wait, is, with, it, with is, he taking, is he taking notes with the first it's guy? It's anti-gravity, so... So I'm imagining him just holding the first guy in one of his hands with, like, a, a very large hand wrapped around a torso, yep. a, a pencil sticking out of his bum, yep. and he is just taking notes on a pad floating in space. Is that yep, accurate? Yep, yep, and this okay. is where the other yep. girl or the other guy comes in. He's basically one of those, like, rubber grippy things from, from, like, the 80s that you had in school. Yeah, like the erasers? It's that, but it's, it's you know, just a human body. Okay, it doesn't have it. to doesn't have to be human it just has to be a body that's right it has to, it has to be a body and it has to have a butthole yep these are our criteria yep, yep yep and then there's a third person who's kind of sitting there with the camera not taking pictures just kind of nodding their head mm-hmm. just a sexual camera mm-hmm. yes <laughs> this is a sex camera sex camera this is sex cam this is a sexual prop got it okay yeah i think that's it is that space assin yeah okay all right he did, he did get space in there i'm actually kind of impressed that like yeah. this could track yeah yeah, I felt like it was all garbage, but I appreciate that you guys like the bit. Yeah, I'm, 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 I've been working I'm in on, on this. So, so what happens next with space essence? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we forgot to mention that uh, when Alex is initially kidnapped, a body double is pushed out the car. The beta unit. Yeah, this is important because all of his friends and family at this point have no idea that he's gone when he leaves to space yeah it shakes his hand and basically absorbs his genetic googly buck oh was that and how that happened yeah the sh- when he went like he shook his hand and it was like Pew! and like there was a spark it absorbed his genetic googly muck and then um oh, God, turned, turned into him horrifying <laughs> that made me uncomfortable yeah mark and i both made a very concerned face when we saw the beta unit in progress that was the only time where Mark's raging semi went away and I popped a raging semi. Uh, I can verify that. There were there were flaps. Yep. Okay, so, yes. The beta unit is running around pretending to be Alex. Meanwhile, Alex came back to Earth, killed a Xandazan, and then and then kind of fucked back off to space and was like, actually, I gotta help them out because the Xandazans are just gonna keep coming. Yeah. Uh, Centauri gets shot. By the Zandozan. He gets shot in the the shot place. This is the place where everybody who gets shot in a movie, if the character is too important, they get shot in this place. And it's just important enough to where you could die or not, but it's not so important that you would die immediately. You can, like, hide it for a bit and sort of limp to safety. It just and, knocks you out of a few scenes. Yes, yeah. which, which is to say the lower... S- the lower side quadrant of your like abdomen you get shot there oftentimes nobody will know that you've been shot and then off scene where nobody can see you you pull back your jacket to reveal a blood spot and you go damn it or in the case of centauri uh you put your hand on your communicator and you see black green goo mm. presumably blood presumably or alien f- fluids that's space blood that's blood blood uh, so he goes back to the what the the, the the base. So he goes, yeah, he goes back to the starfighter base, and the hangar had been destroyed. So basically, all of the ships and all of the starfighters are uh, clinically dead. Yeah, Zer did his thing, and uh, yeah, they threw a fucking uh, meteors meteors at him, um, which is a pretty baller move. They had like, a meteor cannon. How badass is that? Uh, honestly, like you know. Why why are you sitting here like creating munitions? Like the universe is our munitions, yeah. right? Grab some big rocks and throw them at people, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. It's it, you know, fucking kids these days. They need right? they need special guns and ammunition and blah blah blah. Yeah. Back in my day, we threw meteors at people. Yeah, and you know, and we, blew up their space. Hangers. We killed them just as dead. Yep, worked for the dinosaurs. It sure did. Worked. Was that was that our day? Are we that old now? Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, so he meets up with another character, one of my favorites. What's his name? Greg. Greg. He's a Drax. Um, oh my god, he's straight up Drax. He is 100%. Shizma. 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 No, okay, so if you've seen our other review for the movie Enemy Mine, the alien species in that. Aw, that was my first episode. It sure was. Memories. <laughs> <laughs> the pause was the, yeah <laughs> that really made it yeah yeah the moment of stoic reflection memories <laughs> so he meets up with him he's quick-witted they really sh- they straight up could have taken the fucking suit from enemy mine yeah for oh absolutely and just fucking made this Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think they just, like, left it out in the sun for a little bit, and then now they've got a Grig. But, yeah, he just, he's his co-pilot. Alex does the shooting. Grig does the driving. Does he do the driving? Yeah, so he's the navigator. I know he does the, yeah, the navigation and the life support systems and and that. Didn't know he did the driving, too. Yeah, he also did the driving. Okay. Because during some of the action scenes, Alex would be like, evasive maneuvers, and then. Oh, yeah, that's true. Okay. I guess that kind of makes sense. Because, like, I think the bread and butter of this movie, it was kind of two things. This movie was basically trying to capitalize on the energy and excitement around video arcades in the 1980s. So. Everybody was going to video, all the kids were going to video arcades, they were playing these games, a lot of them were space-themed, you know, shooting things and blah, 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 and somebody came up with the idea, what if that was a fucking movie, and, you know, what if it was a test for something when you'd have to do basically the exact same thing that you do in the video arcade, you know, what if you had to do that in space for real? Uh, Which is a fucking cool concept. Oh, yeah. Um, And it's, I mean, it's, there's no fucking like qualms about it that's what they were trying to do to the point where like Greg is talking him through the controls in the same way that you might get a like a tutorial in the beginning of a video game like grab the stick take a couple practice shots do this do that hit this button all right you're ready to play let's go exactly in the same way that an npc sort of walks you through the beginning of a video game so you get the controls Greg was doing that in a very overt way so as to signpost hey this movie is supposed to be about you know video games the other thing that they were going for clearly was to capitalize on the success of other movies that saw a great deal of fanfare and you know things like star wars things like back to the future and the scenes were oftentimes like what seemed to me at least modeled after specific scenes in these other movies like we've already said so like as far as him like being a gunner the vibes i was getting was like luke in the millennium falcon you know, Luke and Han f- with the fucking turret, like, yeah, where it's rotating in yeah. every single yes. direction, and yeah. Yep, very much, very much so. Um, so at this point, and we're not really necessarily like in criticisms, but this, I, I feel like when they went back out, that was it. Yeah. Like his next confrontation was the final battle. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's the reason why I may not I may not even endorse the adventure genre that we talked about earlier because for me an adventure movie is one where you go to many different places and you have this long journey. This movie keeps it pretty tight. You know, the scenes are you've got the trailer park, you've got the spaceship, and you've got the base. 
and that's that's it and they kind of like alternate between these like three different environments and so i think that was part of the reason why it felt like it dragged on for me a little bit was just kind of because of that well i i don't necessarily agree fully like i do think adventure does deserve to be like a part of the genres you do make a very compelling argument there. <laughs> like you do. That was a very like that was a very convincing argument. I would still probably apply adventure, but I will give you that it's a it's a weak application. It it is not a classic adventure movie in that sense. It's situationally adventurous, but not like traversally. <laughs> I I wish your face could make it onto the onto the microphone because they're like <laughs> the like. Is that a word? No, well, I'm not. You know what? Fuck it. I'm committing um, to it. I'm committing to it. I'm going to say it. it. <laughs> so, uh, so they do the little practice shots, and then they come across this Kodan cargo ship. They follow it into this asteroid, and that's pretty much where they camp out for the rest of the film. Okay, hang on. Let's just, real quick. Kodan, when used in that way, makes it feel like you're doing that thing where you, like, substitute a swear word for like a non-swear word. Oh, like Is Goram? That, yeah, like ah, that that Codan ship. Codan cargo yeah. ship. So cost me about three fifty. I I feel like we should adopt that. I make a formal submission, a formal pledge that Codan will now be our new our new goddamn Codan. Codan cargo ship. Codan. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so, I, I just. I'm going to start. Back to the Kodan. When you're confused later that I'm like slipping Kodan into like yeah, the Yeah, no, I, I can dig it. As long as you don't slip Kodan in my drink. Oof. Okay, I did not. Okay, when I made this submission, I did not fully appreciate how Kodan also does sound a little date rapey. Yeah. Um. So it's very similar to Codeine. Codan. So, oh, I'm, I'm gonna. Codan. Oh God. I am going to. Um. I'm going to chew on this. Okay. And I'm going to get back to you guys with whether Don't or not... Don't chew on the Kodan too I much, because you'll be. get really high off of that shit. Oh, we lost him. We lost him! Yep. Okay, so... Where were you? Yeah, so they're <laughs> pretty much hanging out on this asteroid where they destroy this cargo ship, and that's when Alex decides that he really is the last starfighter and he's committed to this. So then he has this brilliant idea of, hey, why don't we just hang out here since they can't find us until they pass by, and then we'll shoot them from behind. Well, yeah, and the kind of significant part about that is all of the fighters in the enemy squadron can fight together as one unit because they're being, like, controlled and coordinated by this mothership that's behind them. The command ship. The command ship. So they're basically, like, waiting for the fighters to pass by. They want to knock out the command ship so that the fighters have to basically... They're all independent fighters now, and they can destroy them, you know, more effectively. Yeah, so he takes out the turret, you know, the main turret on the command ship, and then takes out communications eliminates their guns, so they're essentially just a floating barge in space now. They still have command of their engines, but that's basically it. So then he and Grig systematically eliminate all of the rest of the fighters, and they have this one, like, doomsday weapon that they call Death Blossom, which has this really cool effect. Uh, so they get surrounded, and they're completely outnumbered. There's like 50 to 1, and he's like, I think we should use Death Blossom. He's like, not yet! Wait until they're all in range! Goes, Basically, wait until you see the whites of their eyes. Yeah, and he goes, now? And he goes, not yet! Now? Not yet! Now! So then he presses the button, and the ship, the gun star, 
that they're flying immediately pivots in every direction at light speed, just firing lasers indiscriminately and eliminates all of the enemy fighters. Which was this really cool moment. It was a really cool scene, but it was sort of the... Which which actually, it makes sense that they would need to be like within a certain range because the density of those lasers would drop off at a rate of 1 over R squared. Right. Um, just... And your accuracy... Little, little, little physics for you Your guys. accuracy just disintegrates at that point. So it really has to be within a radius of about 80 meters or so. Give or take one or two. Yeah, I was thinking yards, but sure. Mm, yeah. See, this is why NASA crashed into right fucking Mars, guys. God Come on. It. So uh, yeah, they hit the resolve all plots button, and then they <laughs> go after the command ship. Um. Okay, little aside. Um, <laughs> de- we can cut this out later if this doesn't land. But does anybody else feel like Death Blossom could be the name of the naughty bits of a partner who would otherwise be destructive or detrimental to your life and well-being like just think of somebody who you may or may not know in your past who was just filled with red flags but they had but that they were super hot that yeah they had that death blossom yeah <laughs> that just lured you in yeah and um it it, it was it was truly a blossom of it's death. like a fully flowered stinging nettle yes it'll kill you but it's pretty but it's pretty <laughs> see i went more like um constipation with that like a like the the dripping death blossom of an that anus like that you oh, have yeah, after yeah, a yeah, real yeah. raucous cheese block, like a really mm-hmm. aggressive hemorrhoids. Mark, that sounds like a prolapse, and I think you need to see a doctor. <laughs> no, it's cool. I pushed it back up. Just stay away from Howie Mandel. Yeah, it's it's fine. You just you cover your nose and you suck in real hard, mm. and anything that happens to be hanging. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Do that one more time. <laughs> Okay, that's what that's how it yeah. works. Okay, I got yeah, it. I got yeah. it. I, got See, it. I, got I was it. thinking Death Death Blossom would be a really cool name for a metal band. Again, mm-hmm. I feel like Death Blossom conjures images that let's just say you don't want. You know, that's a bad yeah. onion. You know, that's a sad grape. But again, I think <laughs> <laughs> fucking sad grape. No, I feel like the sad grapes is what you get after you've like just decided to like you know lean into the death blossom yeah like when you've when you've tangoed with the death blossom oh your grapes will never be happy again <laughs> it, it slides over grapes. it slides over goes into sad grape form um okay immediately so, followed by the goop-a-doop i feel like the goop-a-doop is what you get when you marry somebody who has between their legs a death blossom you get the goop-a-doop yeah you don't want it but you've got it you've got it you know uh okay so as Jackson said, hit the resolve all plots button. They destroy the ship. Which okay, the bad baddie, Krill, yeah, or Zer, Zer, okay, gets fucking like arrested. Right, there's a mutiny kind of thing, and he gets arrested, and then he gets away. He escapes down a garbage chute. I really feel like first of all, that was very Star Wars. Okay? Yeah. Second of all, I feel like there was definitely a they didn't resolve his plot line at all, and I think they were basically like. Let's just field this in theaters and see how it does. And if it does well, we now have a reason to have a second one. That's, yep. ex- that's exactly what that is. One hundred percent. What it happened. was. It was a lead into a sequel, and they didn't have enough ROI to make a sequel, so they just forgot about it. Yep. Yeah. So basically, after that, he went home and picked up his gal, and then fucked off into the universe. And here we are. Let's hope she doesn't have a death blossom. Happily, never after. Yeah. Uh, and then roll credits. Yep. 
Yep. Did you guys feel like almost every single one of the displays was completely ripped out of Star Wars? Oh, like, yeah. How many Death Star three-dimensional spheres did we see kind of rotating in this movie? At least four. Yeah. Also, okay, I wrote this down. It's like, I feel like at the time, this movie was very like, look what we have the ability to do now. And like, what they have the ability to do is now so fucking far from impressive <laughs> that it's like, it's distracting how bad it is. What they had the ability to do was marginally worse than the original Tomb Raider. Oh, the video game. Yeah. Not the movie with... No. Yeah. The video game the with vi- triangle yeah. boobs. Mm-hmm. Well, I love triangle boobs. What, what's upsetting? It doesn't. I bet you she didn't. She didn't have a death blossom. No. Well, you don't know. You don't know. Uh, you don't know. But all of the movies that this movie shared DNA with, I felt were significantly better. Yes. Yes. I would agree with you that. Know, yeah, in, yeah. in all of the ways that they were copying. And I, I enjoyed this movie and I'm not trying to like shit on it, you know, but like the um like the effects. I mean, Star Wars had better effects than this movie did, and that came out like a decade earlier. Yeah. Like, I think they also like Star Wars had a very like keen or George Lucas perhaps had a very keen understanding of like what his limits were and didn't try to like overplay his hand. And I feel like this movie way overplayed their hand. Although maybe I guess to be fair too, there was that time when like three D models and CGI were were starting to like butt heads and some films went like all in in one direction or another direction. So it's it's also just kind of of the times where like we didn't realize that when we were investing all this money in these the CGI effects that it was completely bunk. Like I I, I feel like at the time, and this movie came out well before I was born, but like we didn't notice it like we do now. No, exactly. But and the other thing is like, you know, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. Fucking practical effects are always good. Oh like, yeah. This movie is split about fifty fifty on like what they what they wanted to do with CGI and what they had to do with practical effects. And the stuff they had with practical effects, you know, might look a little goofy, but like it's like endearing and it's natural and it's it's fun. There were fucking people sitting there in costumes. All of there the were, aliens were wearing latex yeah, masks. There was and... a physical car that they like got into that was all spacey and shit. Yeah. No, I, I was I was gonna mention that because like I lamented the fact that there weren't enough practical effects in this movie, but I will say the practical effects that they used were so good. And I, I just really appreciated that. I wish that they had done a little bit more. You know, take the physical car and basically green screen it in space. That would have been great. But they, they computer generated the car in this, the flying space scenes, which was a little disappointing, but whatever. It was 1984. The action sequences, obviously you can't, I mean, you can do practical effects for a starfighter, but this is not a Star Wars. This is not a Star Wars. It, it cheated off of Star Wars homework and got several of the answers wrong because of a lack of interpretation. Well, you also, like, you have to you have to intentionally get a couple wrong. In order to pass, it, because so, otherwise you're you're just, you get caught cheating. Yes, exactly. You're going to yeah. get caught cheating. So you have to, you have to intentionally get some shit wrong. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even that scene where, like, he first meets the, the hammerhead, I don't know. The Zandozan. Yeah. Um, the glibliglop. The glibliglop. When he got his, when he got his arm shot off, and then like it hit the ground, I felt like that was the scene from the the Cantina, A yeah. New Hope. Yeah, you know, there's so many like little beads like in this movie that like this is that movie. Even a this lot of the aliens movie. looked similar. Yeah, 
Um, again, what 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 is the name of like the bald aliens? The the Ry- Rylons in Star Wars? No, in the in the Starfighter. Oh yeah, the well, I'm the fairly certain they were Rylons from the planet of Rylos. They felt like Star Trek aliens, big time. Very reminiscent of the Ferengi. Yeah. Or like, uh, were the brain people in the very first episode of Star Wars? Oh, jeez. Um, did you guys watch Babylon Five? I I know I I watched Babylon I... one through four, and I fucking never never got to the fifth one. I watched like the first three episodes of B five. I want to say they were called the Centauri. I know that in Babylon Five there was a race of people called the Centauri. This is gonna be a Anthony Starr situation if Mark's right. Fuck yeah! <laughs> oh man, he got it. Yes. Yeah. No, that is them. Yeah. So it's it's them a little bit older. Yeah. Cause yeah. Because they're, they're great. So basically, what I'm trying to say is these guys, these guys were like the Centauri from Babylon Five, and Centauri was one of them. Yeah, that was definitely another Anthony Starr oh, situation. Yeah. Um, also, this helps Space Olympics from Lonely Island. Mm-hmm. Andy Samberg's character in Space Olympics. Yes. That's what they looked like. Yep. Big old heads, uh, a Friar Tuck type situation with their hair that's all white. And Middle balding. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. A um, couple other things that I wanted to touch on. Did anybody else get swept up in the record-breaking scene? A little bit. I got really yeah. into it. I got really into it. Like, the whole town is freaking out. Like, everybody comes running over to the arcade box, and Old they're like... Old ladies are running out. Oh, yeah. Old ladies are like, good job, Alex! We're so proud of you! They're, like, hugging each other in, like, jubilation. Like, the old ladies behind him while he's playing the game. Everybody's jazzed about this. I was really into that. Yeah. Also, I felt like... It's such a fucking cheap device that, like, movies use a lot of times that I, I feel like they could have very easily done, which is basically, like, he loses in that that scenario, and everybody's like, oh, well, good job anyway. And then, like, later in the night, all by himself, he's like, I got one more quarter in my pocket. Ching! And he, like, beats See? the game, like, alone in the dark. I feel like that's the kind of shit that would happen nowadays, and it would just annoy the fucking shit out of me but that's like, like literally the intro to tron though is like he loses the game everybody walks out of the arcade and he has one quarter left and he beats the game and then gets zapped into it i'll zap you into it please do it's been I'll a while fucking straight up what is that scott bayo no scott bacula <laughs> I'm going to Scott Bakula the shit out of you. He's going to quantum leap me. I'm going to quantum leap the fuck out of you. Um, (laughs) 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 That was a nice pitch shift there. Uh, Okay, so the other thing... um, Okay, I've been just like waiting to discuss this. Can we talk about when they're in the asteroid and there is a very noticeable and palpable air of moral ambiguity... About him literally killing another living thing. Oh yeah! Like I feel like there has never in the in in all of the movies in the history of forever there has never been a situation where a human is poised to kill an alien and then suffers from like an attack of conscience. That has never happened, and he's literally like sitting there sweating about killing this unknown alien while another alien is egging him on and just going like, "Do yeah, it, do it, do it, fucking kill him!" And he's the good guy. <laughs> like, why did they write that in? No, what? it was a beautiful moment. Honestly, it was great because he's like, "I can't do this, I can't do this," and Griggs like, "Yeah, you can. You got him. Fucking kill him, dude. It's just a video game. Who cares? Why did they even?" 
have that as an element in the movie. I mean, it was refreshing, I guess, in a certain sense. Like, it was nice to know that, like, he's not killing indiscriminately, and he actually is, like, reflecting on the consequences of his actions. But ultimately, like, to think of it as, like, a nameless, faceless alien that he's slaughtering, I think for the viewer, is, like, a little bit a lower... It's a lower bar, let's say. Yeah. Because well, like, <laughs> now I feel guilty that he just killed a whole bunch of aliens that probably have, like... You know, Fam- families. families. Shit. <laughs> this could be the Drax. Is this it? Is this is this like the prequel to Enemy Mine? I, you or know, I the, think it might be. Yeah. Guys, um, we figured it out. This is like code cracked. This is Tommy Westfall style like conspiracy theories here. Yeah. We figured we figured this fucking shit. I left out. my tinfoil hat at home, but uh, okay. So this movie, let's say, had pretty high highs. And pretty low lows. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. But let, like, I, I think the things that it did well, it did very well. I think the things that it did poorly, it they were like noticeably bad. Um, w- w- let's just like top strokes things you liked. Uh, we've covered a lot of this too. Was there any things that you liked that we haven't already covered? Because we spent a lot of time talking about the score and we, you know, some of the mm-hmm. other elements. You know me, I'm a sucker for cinematography. Um, <laughs> God, here he comes. Here he comes. <laughs> It was the 80s, I don't expect much. I think as far as cinematography goes, it was pretty fucking It baller. was pretty stellar as far as, like... Like, you're in a fucking turret, like, spinning yeah. around, like... It's literally in the stars. It's so quite stellar. they... <laughs> there was one point that I really appreciated where, like, they're showing him in the cockpit, moving in every direction, right? But then, they did that classic heads-up display, and they showed his targeting computer and fixed the camera to the targeting computer and moved it around as if he was piloting the camera. And I thought, that was super fucking cool. So, A-plus on the cinematography, it was 1984. Again, I don't expect much. So, they exceeded my expectations. If this movie were made today, I would have much higher expectations. Yeah, but if this movie were made today, it would be made by Michael Bay. Yeah, and, and there'd be a just, lot more explosions. Just everything would be exploding. Yep. Like, the second Centauri recruited him, he would get to the place, and he'd just be like, guess what? And he'd yep. blow up. And you'd be like, oh, shit. Centauri just exploded. Yeah. And then it would go off. The beta unit would get shot while he's macking with mags, and it would just explode into this fireball. Starfighter base would just assemble into a giant fucking robot that can fly through space and use a laser sword. Yep. And the laser sword would hit the Kodan command ship, but the Kodan command ship is immune to laser swords and the robot would blow up. And then it would cut to the command center of the robot jobby and they would go, No, no, sorry, they would go, (laughs) Oh, why didn't we talk about that yet? (laughs) All right, everybody, on three, let's all give each other COVID. One, two, three. (laughs) Oh my God. I wonder how well that came in on the microphone. If you don't know what we're doing, um, we're exhaling. The end. Yep. That's, uh, that's accurate. Yep. Um, we're in dislikes, right? Or are we in likes? We're in likes. Wait, we're hang likes. on. We really, we really probably should explain what the fuck that was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Greg had the most airy laugh of any character I've seen ever. His laughs, it's like a, like he starts laughing, but then he doesn't. It's somewhere between an exhale and a wheeze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I went too old man in that. But, yeah, that was a little too too far over the line. Yeah, more alien, less old man. Yeah. 
old alien. Yes, yeah. old alien. Elderland. <laughs> now that sounds like a product that would be marketed intergalactically. Maybe maybe a maybe an aftershave or a yeah. cologne. Pick up a bottle of old alien. If you want to smell like the stars. Ooh. Do you ever struggle with picking up lady friends in the space cantina? <laughs> well, you should probably try picking up a bottle of old alien. <laughs> you can rest assured you never sleep alone again. Get your bleeps, your blaps, and your hibbly bleeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's what aliens got. They got, got the bleeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. The what, the what, and the what? Uh, okay, so things we did like right before we go to things we didn't like. Fucking just filled with 80s cheese. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's an 80s movie. I am so fucking sensitive to these. Like, I love them. I love the vibe. I love everything they give off. It also had, like, kind of a, um, and this is, I think, in a good and a bad sense, um, and I'll, I'll explain it when we get to dislikes, but it had kind of a never-ending story vibe. It seemed very similar in some ways. I was a little surprised that we didn't see any of, like, the director wasn't the same kind of thing. Anyway, it felt very big. I loved what it was trying to do. It felt very homey, if that makes sense. And even though it was kind of ripping off a lot of other movies, I would still give it major points for creativity. I really thought it was creative. Yeah. Yeah, the setup, the plot was creative. I think had they not borrowed so much DNA from everything else, I think it could have stood more on its own merits. But I can't think of any other movie that had this exact same setup. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Dislikes? Things that we haven't already talked about. I mean, we, we talked about the CGI. We, we talked about the stealing of things. But it's not even something I disliked about. I, I enjoyed the cinema robbery. <laughs> so, a couple things for me uh, that we haven't covered. The acting was, like, way subpar. Um, yeah. The acting was pretty bad. And I would say some of the minor characters did all right. Centauri's acting was, like, well over the top and, like, way too much. Like, he was oh, he was overacting. He was really enjoyable. He was really fun to watch. Um, The rest of the cast kind of fell short in many respects. Pretty much the entire trailer park was not great. No, but again, I would take away like a couple of points. I would take away four points for that and then add back two because I fucking love how the bad acting actually feeds into the 80s cheese. And that's it a fits well. It's in a that. huge component of a classic '80s movie is to have over the top verging on bad acting combined with bad acting. Yeah. Um,. Okay, so another thing, there was a lot of very clumsy and blatant exposition. Uh, usually you want to, like, kind of bury the exposition in, like, dialogue or, like, incidentals. They just fucking, like, it felt so forced... Like, the way they were giving the viewer information and backstory about what is happening in the war and exactly who all of these people were and what's going on. They just said it outright. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, the bad guy is like, Hello, father, it's me, your son. <laughs> You're just like, okay, okay, guys. A little subtlety. Yep, let's got like, that. Got that from when you said father. Let's reel it in. In mm-hmm. some ways, it <laughs> felt like one of those rides at like Disney World, where like you're just you're on a track and you're being told everything, and like you're not discovering it. Is a small it. It's world. being presented. After all, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's so fucking far over the top with how clumsy it was with that shit. I'm trying to think of, like, some other example, like, the the bad guy, but also, like, the good guy, the wise old man who was the emperor of, you know, the entire universe or some shit. Yeah. He was, like, basically, like, you're all starfighters and you're all here to fight Zur and the code on Armada. Zur rebelled against us and did this and blah, blah, blah. You're like, okay, but 
if you really, like, take this to pieces, everybody in this room knows exactly what fucking happened. Yeah. Why is this guy telling them? Why would he be telling them literally anything that they are already know? The he's only... not even giving, he's not even giving a fucking, like, inspirational speech. He's just telling them He's not what... even a battle plan. He's just telling them what is, like, literally going on in the world. The only person in that room that wasn't privy to literally all of that information was, the protagonist. was Alex. Yeah. And it was basically like, oh, good, Alex is here. Now we can start the briefing. Exactly. That is, yes, exactly. Yes. And it wasn't just that. It was all throughout the movie. Just super fucking clumsy. Um, The amount of times that the beta unit said he was a beta unit could have been a drinking game. Yep. But again, adds to the 80s cheese. Yep. Okay, one last thing. What the actual fuck was up with the head melting scene? Dude! Oh my god. Yeah, that was Oh my god. Okay, so for like a little bit of backstory... When the big head guy, the the big baddie, Zer, Zer was a floating head in their space station uh, as a hologram, he's basically like, I caught your spy. And then it like cuts to like some television screens and it's literally just this dude strapped to a fucking steel plate with like burns on his face. Like he's clearly been tortured. And then this like laser lowers itself right above his head and starts beaming like a purple laser into the top of his head. And he just and starts he's, screaming. He's just screaming fucking agony while his head is melting. And you're just like, and it goes on and on. And you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, this movie I know was marketed to children. The best part about it though is like, so they lead up to the scene, right? And he's like, you'll never conquer Rylon. And he's like, oh really? Then how'd I catch your master spy? And and then his eyes drift over to where the monitor is, where they're about to display the video of him being murdered. And he's got this look of like, yeah, look, look, yeah, look over yeah. here. Look Check over it here. out. Check it out. <laughs> Come yeah. on, Daddy. <laughs> the face melting, it was a lot like Raiders. It was yeah, Raiders. It was, yeah. but like, the wax head. It, Raiders, uh, they were Nazis. And, and... Was, that was so great, though, because the actor that's playing this master spy that's getting murdered is sitting there in the chair screaming, and then the camera cuts away to get a reaction shot, and then pans back and they, it's a wax head that's just melting they revisit it yeah like it wasn't even like you see the laser shoot and you hear him scream they fucking they shoot the laser he is screaming in agony for like a full 30 seconds his fucking head is melting they cut away for the reaction while he's still screaming in the background and then they cut back to his fucking head melting what the fuck was up with the scene <laughs> why did we have to sit there for like two whole minutes and just watch this dude's face melt in slow-mo okay so let's revisit what i had said prior to spoilers the reason why i feel like this was marketed towards like eight to 16 year olds is like that was the target demographic for arcade games and this was very clearly modeled around that that's what oh, they were yeah. going for right i cannot fucking imagine an eight-year-old which i actually may have seen this movie when i was eight i don't know but like an eight-year-old watching the head melting scene like like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> I, I and this is and this is why I would like, you know, again, pre-spoilers, this is why I would absolutely give this movie like a, a moderate PG-13 rating, not a fucking PG rating. Yeah, I, and you put this in things you didn't like. I kind of liked it in that like everything up to this point was very like cheesy and video gamey. When that happened, it became real, you know, and I think that was the intent in the movie, but like it kind of grounded it a little bit for me, you know, up to that point, these were like shitty CGI, you know, spaceships flying around shooting lasers. 
it didn't feel tangible. It didn't feel like there were really any stakes, even though they repeatedly told us over and over again what the stakes were. Um, that was when I took the bad guys seriously, and I I kind of digged on it. I like the point. I like your I like your argument. I think it's very convincing. I think the reason why it didn't work so well for me, even though I, you're you're absolutely right, but I think the reason why it didn't work so well for me was if they had stuck with it. If they'd stuck with that level of like seriousness, mm-hmm. if there was a true tone shift in the movie following that scene, it was yeah, it, it would have been more effective. Was, but the fact that it was like it was happy and plucky and kind of like we're gonna go like save the universe, <laughs> and then it was like melting a head and a human screaming in agony, and then it cut back to like a relatively plucky plot of like we're just you know aliens and like. <laughs> Don't fall off the ride. <laughs> You'll die. It was so jarring and so out of place. I mean, it was I... great because Alex didn't decide that he wanted to go home until after the face melting. And then was like, yeah, I don't want any of this. And then just goes back home, presuming to live his normal life after learning all of this new information. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely... That's a life-changing moment That's right something there. that would have been difficult to unpack with a therapist when he has PTSD 20 years on. They're like, so why are you suffering from these PTSD symptoms? Where did your traumas originate? Yeah, and he's like, this one time I saw a bald alien get his head melted yeah. for a full fucking minute yeah, while so, he screamed in agony. So back in high school, I was abducted by a space alien and taken to Rylon, and then I got to see some dude's face get melted it off and I decided that it wasn't for me. Okay, I'm just going to write down, in addition to PTSD, uh, borderline personality disorder and... Must be medicated. Delusions of grandeur. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any history of schizophrenia in your family? Um, To be determined. Okay, I'm going to put you down as patient zero. Recommendations, <laughs> padded room. <laughs> right, okay, so anything else that we didn't like other than, well, maybe maybe we did like head melting. I don't know. But... The biggest gripe for me was the dialogue because the dialogue, while cheesy in 80s in camp, it just felt so removed. Like, Grig and Alex are the last line of defense. They are the only you hope might, for Rylon. You might say they're the last starfighters. It's yeah. it's entirely possible. Wouldn't they be like the second to last? I mean, were they both starfighters? I think it was only Alex. I think Alex was the starfighter. Which, like, let's Let's like explore a little guy? bit about how Grig's position is not valued at all in Rylon. No, he he brings a lot more to the table than Alex. You he would think driving the whole ship, and he's he's got all the one-liners, mm-hmm. he's, life support systems. Yep, he's propping up the Starfighter. I think what we're finding is that Rylon is an extremely classist society. Right. And that basically the people who do all the work on the gun stars, they're second class citizens. Yep. And that's that's becoming obvious. Yep. It is a little weird that they have like a fairly large sector of presumably the galaxy. And the most they could conjure for their starfighters was like twelve people. <laughs> yeah. And that was at their height. S- spread across like six or seven races or species. It's not exactly like the might of the Federation, let's say. No. Uh, okay, so are we Lordern? I think so. I believe we're Lordern. Are we uh, ready to move on to... Quacks. Quotes. Okay. Quotes. Don Quixote. All right, I'll start. So one of my quotes comes from Centauri immediately after the aforementioned abduction. Uh, <laughs> Kidnapping. Yeah. yeah. He straight up <laughs> just steals this kid out of the middle of nowhere and throws him in the car. And Alex is sitting in the back like, what's going on? Where are we going? Why are you taking me? Like, wh- 
what is happening? And he goes, well, that's going to be a little secret, you know? Like, And he says, it's, it's part of an adventure. And that's why I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it was he like... He does this little sing-songy, dude, like... Dude, his energy was so uncomfortable. It was chaotic. <laughs> yeah. It was. It, he's, he's chaotic good. Like, <laughs> his got, alignment is chaotic good, no well, doubt. He would refer to himself in the third person and the first person. and then, In the same sentence. Yeah. It was weird. It was beyond weird. Um, Centauri doesn't like it when you speak to me that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. exactly how it went, though. No, I do not. Uh, so my second quote is also from Centauri. After they recruit Alex and Alex decides that this is not his thing, you know, Greg is like, oh, Centauri up to his old tricks again. And so they confront him and they're like, Centauri, why do you keep doing this? And he goes, you know how hard it was to invent the games, to merchandise them, to get them into stores before Christmas? <laughs> Yeah, you get the impression that, like, Centauri had this idea to, like, create a game as the test, and everybody thought he was fucking crazy. Yeah. He was playing the long game. Yep. My third quote is an exchange between Alex and Grig, and he's like, one starfighter? One starfighter against the Armada? It'll be a slaughter! And Grig goes, that's the spirit! <laughs> oh, man. Grig's delivery was so good every time. <laughs> that's the spirit. <laughs> you got it. So, similarly, when he kidnaps a child, when Centauri first pulls up in his creepy white space van... Space Lorian! Space Lorian. Um, he opens the door, and he's literally, like, sitting in the shadow of the driver's seat. And I can't remember exactly what Alex says to him, but it basically, like, you know, we don't have any vacancy, or we're not open, or something like that. And Centauri responds with, I'm not here for cigarettes or bubblegum, my boy. Yeah, he says, uh, store's closed. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would make a great t-shirt. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm not here for cigarettes or bubblegum, my boy. Yeah, just the way that those words like came out of his mouth and with his delivery. Ugh. Uh, so my next quote, I partially like it because it's hilarious, but I also like it because I have a friend, Petey, I guess I'm the only person who's allowed to call him that, but his real name is Chris, and he was, let's say, an awkward swearer in the, when he was younger. His parents were not from here, they were from Poland, so, like, they didn't do a lot of swearing in English, and he was a little, like, unaccustomed to it, and he had an interesting way of swearing when we were kids, and so one of his favorite things to say was, what the shit? Or what the damn shit? <laughs> and, what um, the damn shit? <laughs> and in the movie, Lewis wakes up while Beta is trying to fix part of his ear. For context, Lewis is Alex's little brother. Yes, I don't sorry. Think we, I, I, I don't think we covered that. For sure, thank you. And Beta, in order to get better access to his ear, takes his head off and puts it on the desk, which is very... This scene, I think, part of it, even though it's kind of a funny scene, I feel like was inspired by a lot of, like, John Carpenter movies. Like, The Thing, I think, oh, had, had, a, had a piece of this scene. Absolutely. So the head is just like sitting on the desk and Lewis looks up and sees his head like fucking moving on the desk while a, a headless body is sitting at the chair and he just goes, what the shit? <laughs> and then of course the head looks up and goes, Lewis, you're having a very bad nightmare. Go back to sleep, which is just so fucking creepy. Um, Lewis peeks again and he just goes, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and the last quote. I feel like there were a number of these throughout the movie where they, like, again, almost swore but didn't. And at one point, Centauri says to Alex, after they defeat the Xanadu... <laughs> The, yeah, the Codan. The, the, the Zipzan, the, the Xanadu. Oh, the, 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 the Zaxar? Yeah. Xerxes. The, the the after they defeated Xerxes, <laughs> and um, 
you know, Leonidas had sort of left. Uh, Zondazan. Zondazan. Um, Centauri says to him, get a good look, Alex. You can bet your asteroids there's going to be more of them. Bet your asteroids. You bet your asteroids. I'm going to use that. Yes. I'm going to use that in my life. You can bet your asteroids. So, my quotes. My first one's from Beta. There's a, a bit when Alex, he leaves, he comes back. This is on his, like, his, his chicken shit tour when he's back, uh... <laughs> <laughs> when he's back on Earth, you know, uh, he's... Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, no, he's a, you know, baby. Uh, Beta's <laughs> giving him a hard time about it. He was, oh, save the whales, but not the universe, eh? You know, just, just his delivery was great. I feel like um, everybody was laying into this kid really fucking hard for his very constantly. reasonable decision to not get into an intergalactic war. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go up there and get your head melted? Meh. Let's see. Uh, my next quote. My quotes are significant to me because of like their delivery. You know, sometimes my quotes are more like plot driven. Not so much this time around. Um, they save the day. They go back to Earth, and when Grig is meeting Lewis for the first time, you know, he shares. You know, I've heard a lot about you. <laughs> Lewis like turns back to like his whole community you know and he just he doesn't flip them off but he basically flips them off like hear that slimes i'm famous you know? <laughs> <laughs> fucking great a little shit yeah lewis, um, is, lewis is a little bit of a bastard <laughs> you hear that slimes uh and then the last one i've got was amazing and i wish that they would do this in more movies but they got rid of zor zor was zor. was, was yep. removed so that he could be not in the sequel they take out what do they take out like the guidance system and they're crashing the bad guys are crashing into this the command ship is on a collision course with the moon yeah he said well what do we do now and that kind of like zooms in on the bad guy or whatever he says we die (laughs) (laughs) and that's it it just goes back and they're done like, like he, he has this little targeting computer over his eye. He's got a scouter. And, and so, <laughs> so then he says, what do we do? And the scouter flips over and it zooms in and he just says very poignantly, we die. We die. And he's got this like rough and gruff, like, <laughs> we die. You're just like, oh shit, they're going to die. And then they do. I know because of his tone. <laughs> um, it's amazing. He's serious. He's very serious. Uh, are we ready to to rate this biatch? Let's rate it. Yeah. Is this potato baked? Mmm. Yes. All right. I'm gonna kick us off. I will give this movie a 5.9 asteroids. I like it. Is that asteroids with two s's? Yes. <laughs> How voluptuous. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with 6.5 earlicks. I would also like to clarify that my 5.9, I feel like my personal rating might be a little higher, but objectively, if I'm really aiming for as objective as a score as I can give it, I would get, you know, I have to go a little lower. Mm. Yeah. I think that I would give this 4.9 Kodan command ships. Ooh, that's a Kodan. Yeah. That's a Kodan. Kodan. That's a Kodan. Okay, we got a 5.9, 4.9, and 6.5. Yep. Wow, I went the highest on this one. Okay, so are we ready for our scene score? Scene score. Scene score. We're getting better at that. Yeah. That was... Look, we didn't max out it at all. Hey! That's, yeah. that's going to that's gonna come in all right. Yeah. Um, we're looking at squiggly bars, guys. Not to, you know, make you jelly, but <laughs> be jealous because, you know, squiggly bars. It's gorgeous. Uh, okay, so our average familiarity 
for this movie was 2.8. Not bad. It's actually exactly where I thought it was going to be. I think this is the kind of movie that, like, if you're born at a certain time, as the three of us were, I think you got a pretty good shot, again, as the, you know, two out of three here um, will have seen it, or at least, you know, no of it. I think if you're out of that range, this is the kind of movie that probably will have missed you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our listening audience, which I think is, you know, kind of a biased sample, biased towards our age range, you, say, you know, probably usually. a little bit like, you know, yes, I, I, I feel I'm not surprised that like a familiarity of about, let's say 25% is what, where we ended up. Our average rating was 5.8 or thereabouts. Not bad. And then our adjusted score... The scene score, if you will. If you will. If you will. Was 6.25. Let's say. Yeah. 6.3. Yeah. I think so. I feel good about it. I I think that's exactly where we wanted to be on this one. Like, 5.7 is a fairly... I mean, this is coming from the guy who gave it a 5.9, but, like, I feel like that's a pretty in-the-ballpark range for the movie. And I think it's the kind of movie that, like, if it piques your interest at all because of the low familiarity, I would put a little extra pizzazz on it. And 6.3 is, is the range I, I would expect for this movie. Yeah, I wouldn't say that that this is the, the type of movie that I would revisit often, but... I would probably drag it out for a movie night. Yeah, or if you need just, you know, a good head melting scene. Yeah. All right. Are we are we Lord Ern? I believe we are. Yes. Now, uh, let's check out the tour dates because I want to make sure that that we have our our summer scheduled. Yeah, so so band number 1 coming up. I think they're actually opening up on the Taylor Swift tour that's sweeping the nation right yeah. now is uh Snatching Grampus. <laughs> it hide hide your Grampus. Hide your grandpas. Lock up your grandpas. Put away your grandfathers. Watch out for them papas. Hide your wife. Hide your kids. And uh, hide your grandpas because they snatching them Mm -hmm. out here. And then uh, they're opening for uh, Space Assassin, whose principal song, like they're really the the song that made them famous, is Space Assassin. Space Assassin, exactly. Yeah, it's like a cosmic twerk. Yeah, cosmic twerk. (laughs) Uh, And that's that's all we've got on our tours this year. And that is all for the All Crep Review. Thank you for listening. If you have any ideas for movie reviews or if you want to get involved and contribute to the scene score, get a sneak peek of upcoming movies and take our short weekly-ish survey, email us at three, that is the number three, menandabasement at gmail.com. You can also find us on our website at T-M-A-A-B, which stands for three men and a basement, dot podbean.com or, you know, Send us a burp envelope. That's fine, too. I personally, I love the burp envelopes. Or inscribe it on Morton's toe and mail, mail it in. Um, hot dogs. Be sure. Hot dogs. <laughs> and uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you find your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Colin McLeod. Mark Hall. Action Jackson. And uh, we'll see you in cyberspace. She's mad. She's mad. <laughs> <laughs>